On this week's TribCast, we'll talk about the latest on the scandal roiling the Texas Speaker's office. But before we do, I want to thank our TribCast sponsors. DHR Health, which has revolutionized the healthcare landscape of the Rio Grande Valley and continues to raise the standard of healthcare for the benefit of the South Texas community. Visit dhrhealth.com. And Lone Star College. Learn why over 99,000 students choose Lone Star College for affordable access to high-quality higher education. Nationally recognized, globally connected, locally focused. More at lonestar.edu. Hello, this is Emily Ramshaw here on Wednesday, August 14th with our Texas Tribune Tribcast, our weekly Texas politics and policy podcast. I'm joined this week after a very dry spell by CEO Evan Smith. I can't believe I'm on this podcast. <laughs> I, I was I was done with this podcast. Well, we thought we were done with you, but podcast was done with you. I also <laughs> thought you were done with me too. I figured you, you know, I know Svitek is on vacation and Abby's on vacation. You should have gotten Adam Kahn to be on this podcast uh, or some, some maybe backward Yankees hat. Mike, Michael Sullivan. Uh, you know, it's already <laughs> that being would be taped, terrific. It's already right? being taped. So, <laughs> yeah. we're, how long have you been planning that joke? Uh, <laughs> Just this one second. <laughs> executive editor Ross Ramsey. You remember why he hasn't been here for a while? Yes. And why I haven't been Ross, here for a while? Ross has been here. Uh, and our uh, the one, woman who's been here every week, political reporter Cassie Pollock. Hello, everyone. The, hey, st- Cassie. the star, Cassie Pollock. Of no. the Tripcast and everything else. She's like the Vlad Guerrero Jr. of this newsroom. You get that, Ross? I do. I don't even know what that means. I know you don't. Let's move on. Totally a compliment. (laughs) Same nasty Uh, swing. Folks, if you're listening, as always, we'll take your questions in real time on Twitter and Facebook. You can do it using the hashtag uh, Tribcast. Yeah, that's probably the right hashtag. I don't know which one I was about to come up with. Um, Okay, so I've been, the reason I forgot it is because I've been on vacation for the last couple of weeks. I've had some wonderful stand-ins here for the Tribcast. Um, But while I was gone, the state basically imploded. Uh, luckily, Cassie has been here to cover it, and Ross, who's written like 18 columns about it. Uh, but I want to talk about the drama unfolding in the Texas House Speaker's office, uh, and I want to get into this with the three of you. Cassie, just first of all, please start by sort of reminding our listeners the convoluted tale of how we ended up where we are today. Right. So Michael Quinn Sullivan, CEO, uh, of, I think it'll be three weeks tomorrow, actually, uh, said that he met with Speaker Bonin and one of his top allies, Dustin Burroughs, a Lubbock Republican who chairs the House GOP caucus on June 12th. And at that meeting, Sullivan alleges uh, the Speaker and Burroughs offered his group uh, long denied House media credentials if they went after 10 uh, GOP members in the 2020 primaries. And so that kind of seemed to cut into what Bonin had told reporters, uh, including us on the last day of session, you know, I'm, you know, uh, incumbents campaign against incumbents in 2020, there will be consequences. Um, you know, there's some other things that Sullivan has alleged, you know, that, that Bonin and Burroughs made disparaging remarks about some of the, the members in the lower chamber. Uh, we still don't have a recording. The, the recording has and not been made public. You have not heard it. No, no. Uh, the, the recording has not been made public or available to reporters who are covering this story. Um, but some people have heard it or claim to have heard it. Well, members have heard it. Right. Apparently, if you're a Republican consultant, if you're a Republican consultant who ran a losing campaign for state representative at some point in the last 15 years, you've also been offered the opportunity right. to hear the tape. Right. And so the folks who have heard the tape, first of all, do we trust their take on it, which their take basically is, it's as Michael Quinn Sullivan described it. Yeah. It's my understanding that uh, at this point, uh, dozens of Republicans, just, you know, House members, uh, activists, as Ross and uh, Evan were saying, uh, consultants have listened to it. And I mean, 
pretty much across the board, they say that the recording listen to it, listening to it largely confirms what Sullivan right. is alleging that Bonin did. Um, you know, we saw Tan Parker, it was either last week, I think it was last week, Tan Parker and Steve Allison, uh, you know, come out with, with pretty scathing statements against the speaker uh, saying, uh, you know, this is incredible that we're listening to this. It was, you know, beneath the office of the speaker, more or less. Um, and that, you know, just kind of hearing from those two um, seemed to, you know, in a way kind of like build credibility to this argument that's building against the speaker, right? That he said these things. Um, and the, the issue, Cassie, is not that the speaker said on the last day of the session, I'm not going to campaign against incumbents. It was that after the Sullivan allegations, the speaker denied that there was a list and denied that there was a quid pro quo. Right. 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 And yeah. so if the tape and the tit for tat is if the, if, yeah. if, if the tape reveals that there was a list and there wasn't and so far everybody quote, says that that's what the tape mm -hmm. reveals th then that's a real problem is that not right for the yeah speaker? I mean I think there's a, a really healthy amount of frustration just kind of being felt within uh, you know the Republican caucus right now that you know the, the speaker has so far either sent them I think he sent them two emails that we've obtained copies of and has put out one public statement and you know uh, there are again, are a healthy number of, of Republicans who don't feel satisfied with any of the responses that the mm -hmm. speaker has, has given them um, on this matter. And, you know, that he is, at, you know, at times kind of sidestepped the allegations. Maybe, you know, I think uh, Matt Schaefer yesterday said that, you know, parts of what Bonin has been saying are, you know, quote unquote, blatantly false. So, um, and a few people, Republicans have called for the speaker to step down. Yeah, two or three. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. So, Bonin has called for this entire tape to be released. Uh, and at the same time, there was uh, the House General Investigating Committee met yesterday, Tuesday, to sort of discuss. I mean, is there any chance that this is criminal behavior? Yeah, so the House committee met on, uh, I think it was Monday morning. And, you know, there's a, a number of op options that they could have uh I guess had they had before them to to take, and they decided to punt the issue over to the Texas Rangers, right. which is basically conducting an issue, an initial inquiry into everything. Is it an ethics review? Is it a criminal review? What is it? I think they're looking into initially just to see whether any sort of state laws were broken. And well, this is now the locus for all public corruption investigations, as right. of a session or two ago, right? right, right where correct. the Rangers became the and their deal investigative is they, authority. instead of Travis they put, County. They, they, right. Their deal is they put the story back together, and if they spot any crimes along the way, they refer mm -hmm. them to a prosecutor. Boy, you know, by the way, stepping back two sessions to the flap over whether the Travis County DA's off office should take on these cases or the Texas Rangers, you better bet these guys are happy. I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I Margaret Morris sitting back in a smoking jacket with a snifter of brandy somewhere. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that Morgan Myers' committee should appoint Rosemary Lindbergh, the special prosecutor in this case. <laughs> oh, my God. Right, yep. With her Hannibal Lecter yeah, mask. Be careful what you right, wish for, um, right? Uh, right. Uh, well, I, so I have a question here. So... Um, Emily brought up the fact that the tape has not been made public. We talked about the fact that some people have heard the tape and not others. The speaker has called for the tape to be made public. The speaker presumably has lived on this earth long enough to know that if the tape proves what he has said previously to be untrue, that is bad for him. Right. Right. Why would he be calling for the tape to be released unless the tape exonerated him? I don't think it exonerates him. I, I wonder if it puts it into greater context that yeah, he that's thinks, what, that's, you know, uh, because again, when you so see- He's going to argue nuance? I think he will argue nuance. I think for him, he would not be calling for the full tape to be released unless it was- Now, do you think, he, has he heard it? <laughs> well, he I was mean, there. He, he was, does, yes. he, knows, he knows what he said. Look, he there are members said, who- Sometimes you don't, you know, look, remember There are members exactly. who have come out to say, and there are consultants, Brendan Steinhauser mm -hmm. on Spectrum News the other week, mm -hmm. for instance, very explicitly said- there is a discussion of 
10 names on a list. Mm -hmm. There is a quid pro quo in exchange for media credentials. Right. He was absolutely black and white about it, and he's not the only one who's heard the tape who has said that that is black and white and that it goes completely against what the speaker says. I don't know what happened. I don't haven't heard the Jason, tape. Jason Vialba came out, and this is an outlier, yeah. but he came out and said, "I, you know, he said a bunch of stuff like that, and he said ten names, but I don't think it was a quid pro quo." The point here, though, it's, is right. that if right. that's if, what if I mean about context, does right. not, exactly. if the tape does not exonerate him, why would he be calling it? For okay, you? so when Bonin made that statement, it was a few hours after Sullivan had. Uh, announced to the world that he had actually secretly recorded the meeting. And that night we were hearing that uh, at, at least two Republicans in the House had gone over to Sullivan's, uh, to the to the lawyer, to the law office of... Um, Tony McDonald. There you go. And, uh, you know, we're listening to the recording. And, uh, you know, I think I took the speaker's statement largely just to mean, you know, it's like, I don't know, kind of what entered my mind was a game of poker, mm -hmm. you know, he, the speaker, is betting on Sullivan never releasing the recording. So and I he's think he's got a pair of sevens and he's acting like he's got it inside. He should straight. have had a mm -hmm. pair of tape recorders. I'm kind of surprised <laughs> they both didn't tape this. Well, I am too. In fact, that brings up a terrific, uh, there's some amazing questions, Which by the way, great, coming great, in from one social of the, media. One of the great rumors was yes. that there are two tapes, including a question from Cheryl that says, How could Bonin be so stupid? Okay, so there's a couple of things here. A lot of people, you know, because wonder he's not whether, stupid, by the way. Wonder right. whether he should have taken the meeting at all. I can argue that round or flat. Mm -hmm. If you take the meeting, do I'm, you? I'm on team flat, by the way. I'm, I'm on, <laughs> I would have taken the meeting, but I would not. I would, have, I, would, I, would had, I would never have taken I would the have meeting. Had, I would have had more witnesses. I would not have. You know, why did he take the meeting in the Capitol if it was about politics? Mm -hmm. You know, why not right. do it in for you know, starters? Yeah, the Westgate Building, Starbucks, wherever. Why would you take someone who you have openly called out in front of reporters as untrustworthy and entrust them with a bunch of, you know, inside dope yeah. on this or that race or this mm -hmm. or that candidate? I mean, there's a bunch of questions also, like that. Also, if they're and that then, untrustworthy, why would you even be considering giving well, them media credentials and a tip? People, people have thrown here. my godfather uh, line, the guy in life and the godfather back in my oh, face. God, Keep are we your friends have another? Yeah, middle-aged white men talking about the godfather. It's Next every he's going to make America. a Wilco close, reference. Right. Keep Stand your friends by. close and your enemies closer has been what's been thrown back, and that's the argument, but that to me seems completely wrong. The other thing, case. another thing that, you know, uh, Cassie knows I've been obsessed with this. This meeting was on the 12th of June. Sullivan wrote a letter to Bonin basically outlying his accusations on the 19th, one week mm -hmm. later. Right. And then on the 27th or the 29th, one of those two of days. July. Of June. Of June. Of Ju oh, okay. Bonin replies to that and says, no, you misunderstood what I said. Mm -hmm. But we and, didn't find out about this until much nothing later. nothing happens. Right. Right. For like a month. the end of June until July 25th. Right. What's when they going on there? So there's something going on there. And the other thing is on the 25th of July, when this thing came out, everybody acted like they just found out about it. Mm -hmm. Seemed like he had six mm -hmm. weeks to get a plan together. Here's my right. political plan. Here's my legal plan. Yeah, Here's I mean, my communication plan. Were they negotiating plan. behind the scenes so on this? Was there, so was weird. Sullivan, right. you know, working with his lawyers and his team to sort of figure out what the best possible there's splash a, was? Was Bonin sweating bullets for an entire month? Was, was the tape, was the tape doctored? Well, I mean, I, I yeah. have a question from oh, the right. very beginning. Mm -hmm. Do we have any reason to know for a certainty that the tape that's being distributed or being listened to by people is the actual? Well, the DCS will edited. do a chain of evidence, and they'll 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 know the answer to that. Um, it's it's just an odd 
odd thing. Well, to go back to your question really quick about why he took this meeting, I mean, again. I think the question was, how could Bonin be oh, so stupid? Okay. Yes. <laughs> Sorry. Cassie, Just to confirm. Cassie asked Cassie it in the, the, right. I have to yeah. still have a relationship with this guy right. way that she does. Right. Um, again, all speculation at this point, but, you know, there's obviously some, uh, you know, uncomfort being felt by Texas, by some Texas Republicans heading into 2020. You know, Democrats obviously want to use this headline grabbing, we are nine seats away from taking over the Texas House. And so again, speculation theory, call it whatever you want, is that, uh, you know, Bonin was feeling pressure from this person or that person, maybe, you know, coming off of a successful first session as speaker and decided to try, you know, to see if there was any way that he could mend this relationship. And instead of, you know, having a, you know, the Empowered Texans uh, Political Action Committee go after, you know, vulnerable Texas Republicans uh, to go after, you know, to maybe save that money and go after Democrats. Or but are there, but were any of the people on that list of 10 really vulnerable? I mean, this is the part that I have a hard time imagining. There Let's assume that everything else that's been alleged is true. In November, the people no. on this list? In November, no. In March, yeah. So you think the concern that Bonin had but it wouldn't have helped him is that if you beat one of these guys with a more conservative Republican in a district, does that then present a problem in the, I'm like, what's so, the, so here's a theory I've heard, yeah. uh, a theory that I've heard. And then, you know, that's as far as I'm going to vouch for it is you take 10 people who are relatively moderate Republicans. You have a small number of Republicans, 83. You have some Republicans who might on some issues side with Democrats, take some of those people out and replace them re with Republicans who won't side with Democrats. And you've got a still, narrow majority, but a stronger Republican majority. You believe the argument that this is all about the Mays-Middleton bill about taxpayer lobbyists and that that's what was the impetus for this? I don't. I, you know, I, I, I don't know what was on the, the recording, but, you know, that um, that was a little bit charged on the floor, but it wasn't that charged on the floor when they yeah, were I mean, voting. Maybe it. I mean, it was was like, that your sense? I mean, it was I a mean, big I, bill. But. So they had to pull it down a couple of times. I think they actually had to send the bill back to the committee to get it figured out because there was like going to be a – there was some drama with it for sure. Right. And you could definitely sense that Republicans who were unhappy with its um, – you know, the way that it died, you know, that they definitely want this issue to come back at some point. Right. Um, you know, maybe at best it was used as like a jumping off point for this list. Right. But, you know, there's obviously, what, 20-something odd Republicans who uh, voted against this bill and only 10 are on this alleged list? Well, in fact, it's, it's this specific, to come back to the fact that it's this specific 10, I had a high-ranking Democrat say to me right when this thing broke, this can't be true. And I said, how come? And he said, because who would put half the people on this list of 10 on this list of in 10. somebody's right. sites? Right. He's like, there are five bullshit members on this list, people who don't do anything. Right, freshmen, sophomores. Why, why would you not... waste your quid pro quo on these five, <laughs> was this person's argument. Uh, one more. Uh, so right. where's Dustin Burroughs? Like, right, that's great. So that's like the Where's Waldo. It is a thing. Where's right. Waldo. So he's the other guy in the room. Where he's the apparently, he's on the tape. Friend. I'm assuming he's on the tape. Where is he? Yeah, is he so, totally lawyered up? Why isn't he speaking out? So he's a lawyer himself. Not sure if he's um, hired. You still, you still ought to have a lawyer. Right. <laughs> he, uh, you know, hasn't yet publicly commented. Of course, Bonin's reasoning for that was that he's asked Burroughs to basically, you know, let you know, step aside, even though he classified him as a witness at this meeting. Um, no public comments yet, but, you know, uh, according to some members, Burroughs has recently started doing, you know, what they're dubbing an apology tour, um, you know, right. saying, sorry, this obviously didn't turn out the way, you know, we wanted it to or the way that I anticipated it. Uh, looks like those conversations have been met with mixed, uh, you know. Well, he is the chair of the Republican caucus. 
voted on by his members. And if those members, some or many enough, lose confidence in right. his ability to do that job, then that puts him at some risk. Right, but does, isn't he going to have to testify before this committee? I mean, he, Well, if the committee keeps the case. I, I think Morgan Meyer the other day, the chairman of the General Investigating Committee, did a pretty good job of getting the House at least momentarily out of the line of fire. You know, every member on this committee voted for Bonin, has an opinion about this. Maybe some of them have heard this tape. Uh, let's get the hell out of here. Well, and Morgan and Meyer it, is the recipient of a gift from the Speaker, is he mm -hmm. not? Political. Well, and he barely won his last election. So if you've got a bunch of Republicans on the bubble about this thing, it's going to be the people that won by less than a thousand votes in the last election, yeah. including Morgan Meyer. He moves it over to DPS. DPS takes it on. The House doesn't have to vote on this. Doesn't isn't responsible for the decision on whether there are charges filed. All of that kind of stuff. I think he did them a did them a big mm -hmm. favor. Is there a better than fifty percent chance that Dennis Bonin is not speaker at the start time of the out? Next Before session? you do oh. that, I have a feeling we're going to talk about this for the rest of the Tribcast. So I'm going to quickly insert our <laughs> latest round of sponsors so that we can pay for your new car, uh, <laughs> your used new car. Uh, <laughs> Before our next topic, I'd like to thank two more Tripcast sponsors. Funny, actually, it's hilariously funny. It's a, it's a pretty Blue funny. Cross and Blue Shield of Texas. Want healthcare insights? Listen to the Blue Promise podcast hosted by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Texas. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more at standingwithtexas.com. And, oh, this is one you're going to like. The Texas Tribune Festival. Save your seat at the 2019 Texas thank Tribune God. Festival. Join us <laughs> September 26th through 28th in Austin for three days of lively talks and big ideas featuring 420-plus speakers. Evan has personally invited from Texas and beyond. Get your passes today at festival.texastribune.org. We're going to have three, one of those three big... Is wondering how the hell they got dragged into this. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Three big talent announcements on the festival coming up. One later this week, one next week, and one the week after that will absolutely knock people on their You're not going to tell us on the Tribcast? Hell no, I'm not going to. All right. Back waste, to waste it on the trip guest. <laughs> so is Bonnie is Bonnie gonna what is what do you what survive? percentage what chance the hell is, is he gonna going happen to survive? Here? You know, always bet on the incumbent. I'm always conservative on that. It took after the House was mad at Tom Craddock, it took two more full sessions for them to depose him. Um, Gib Lewis served another session after all of his legal troubles. Billy Clayton served another session out of his. I mean, the history here is with the speaker. And you know, really the question on this. I don't think is going gonna, is gonna to turn on legality. I think it's going to turn on politics and trust and whether the members of the House feel like this is the guy they want in the corner office and this is the guy who's going to protect them. If you look at it politically and you look at just this recording as presented to us, the answer to that is no on that level. But Bonin has been really, really effective at protecting the House from both the governor's office and from the Senate, and they and that's that's not a small thing. Okay, then what's the percentage chance that Empower Texans has media credentials on the floor of the legislature next session? Uh, no they chance have, They in have credentials hell. now on the floor of the Senate. I mean, on the House. They're not going to get – no way now. Go. I mean, if there's that was, not, if that was ever this, an end this, goal. This killed any chance. And, you know, there's an underlying lawsuit here underneath all of this. They sued about not getting those credentials, and the trial court – ruled against them, and they have appealed to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. It's a federal suit. Why don't you make a federal case out of it? Um, they did. And, you know, that I wonder about some of the timing. We were talking about the timeline a minute ago. I wonder what's going on in that case, because that mm -hmm. sort of uh, parallels some of what's going on in the court filings. Our uh, amazing pollster, Jim Henson, has weighed in to say, <laughs> in terms of the judgment in, of conducting a meeting in the Capitol, it would seem that the, you know, state government code is pretty unambiguous, basically, that you know, a person may not knowingly make or authorize a political contribution while in the Capitol or in a courthouse. 
to a candidate or an office holder, a political committee. I mean, basically, even if it's an in-kind contribution, you know, working for does, or does working it against, constitute a contribution? Does it constitute a contribution? And you right. know, there's a there's a, a really narrow term of art here is the speaker's apartment part of the capital. Right. Right. If you're there's a there's a private apartment. Mm -hmm. in Was the it in the apartment? Office. Well, we Cassie? don't know. I mean. Yeah, we don't we don't know. I mean, right. I think what the four Colonel mustard with a lead pipe in mm -hmm. the library, right? <laughs> right. I mean, I'm so you know, when Bonin look, when when Bonin became a Strauss lieutenant, I think the first round of people who had been covering the legislature for the last decade said, "Whoa, like, you know, big boy pants for somebody who'd been really a bomb thrower and kind of like, you know, misbehaved." And then he became speaker and a lot of us who had covered him sort of bit our tongues and said like Holy Delicious. shit, did this really happen? Well, uh, also, like, you know, my God, maybe our initial impressions of him, maybe he's really grown up, or maybe our initial impressions of him were wrong. And now this has happened, and if true, it's just like back to square, oh, this is the Dennis Bonin we always knew. So so let me do a dramatic reading from a, from a Cassie Pollock story at the end of the legislative session about what a great session Bonin had. Mm -hmm. And there's this line, this is the end of May, but there were also times it seemed to almost slip Bonin's mind that he was Dennis 2.0, a leader who had pledged to 149 other House members that his short-tempered days and public outbursts were behind them all. You wrote that line? It's a great I mean, I, line. I, yes. That's a yes. great line. It and is. it's a particularly great line now. It's like, you know, oh, foreshadowing. Yeah, totally foreshadowing. Right. So, I mean, so if this is true, and, and I think, you know, again, unless the tape is doctored, uh, you know, we're hearing from lots of people that this is the way this went down. What version of Dennis Bonin is this, and how how do you have a political future if if even people believe you were offering somebody? You know, I want to hear Cassie on that. What do you think about that? This I is think, harder for I'm, her. You know, it's, it's gonna. I'm gonna return the favor. Ross has his first line in one of his columns that either ran this week or last week is like, "Forgiveness is one thing, trust is another." Right? Mm -hmm. Yep. So people can forgive the speaker all they want, but you know, I think the question then quickly becomes, okay, can he rebuild, uh, tr you know, a sense of trust with these members, and can he do it, you know, fast enough, and can he, you know, raise it to a level like that reelects him as the next speaker? And you know, obviously, there's. Uh, you know, you can look at that two ways, right? We're, what, 18 months from the next legislative session? We have an election in between then. Uh, do Dems pick up more seats? Do Republicans get back some of the seats that they lost? You know, what what kind of breakdown are we looking at when it's the first day of the 87th legislative session and everybody has to vote on this? You know, I will say, and I don't think that this has been disputed by anybody, I mean, Bonin is a creature of the house. He's been there for 20-something odd years. And, you know, it took him— They have been odd years. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ross has been there. <laughs> and, you know, it took him a matter of uh, days when his competitors, who also wanted to be speaker, were in the race for months right. to secure the nomination. Um, so He's you know. also a fighter. I mean, he's not going down without the, a fight. One of the things that really is interesting to me about this is that, you know, whatever else you can say about Dennis Bonin, he does run hot um, and always has run hot is that he understands the House. That's why he's Speaker. He really understands these mm -hmm. guys. And and who, uh, whether they unseat him over this, you know, comes down to whether the members of the House, it's kind of mob rule, whether they as a group think it's riskier to try to challenge and knock off a Speaker, even with this set of facts, mm -hmm. or to go through the next election cycle carrying his banner. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the sooner he gets a recording in his hand and begins spinning that, the sooner he can work that case, and the sooner you'll find out whether there's really 
a case inside the House. It may not make sense outside the House, but whether there's a case It only has to make inside, inside the, the House because this is an inside vote. And again, the law right. of Omar from the wire is in effect here. <laughs> come you, at the king. Come at the king, you best not miss. Mm -hmm. If they're going to go after him, they better have not only a rationale for deposing him as speaker, but they better have an alternative. And that's part of the problem, to Cassie's point, with the cast characters wanted to be speaker last time, no one could get to 76. Well, as you said, could they right? force him to resign in the interim? No, they can't do it in the interim. They've got to meet. And, they can't, meet, and the, you can't the meet unless mechanism. they're in. Right. right. The Senate has a mechanism for calling itself back could in. Could the governor call a special the, the session House, for that? Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the House does not have a mechanism for calling itself back in. The caucus can meet. So, but if Abbott but called a special session over this to depose the, the speaker, could but they? The, but the caucus could do a vote of no confidence if it mm. came to it, and basically force the issue mm -hmm. and, and and take the risk away from from Abbott for calling a session. But the second piece of this is you also, and you kind of get to this, you have to have an alternative. And who mm -hmm. wants to raise his or her hand right now and say, "I want to be speaker"? I don't think that one. Are you hearing that there are people who are sniffing around the office right now? Very, very lightly. Mm -hmm. But they are, but they're but audible light. sniffs. Yeah. It's like a there's, Trump speech. There's, there's what do you couple, think? Right. There are a couple think, mice in the kitchen. What do you think Joe Strauss is doing, right? What do you think he thinks about all Laughing this? Laughing his effing <laughs> ass off. Are you kidding me? Is He's he so, he feels he? like Bruce Willis at the end of an action movie having jumped out of the building before it exploded. Yeah, Bonin was one of his guys. Yeah, Bonin, he's out. He's Bonin, out. Well, now, Bonin's one of his guys. He he is also, you know, shorter term, but he's also a creature of the house. Mm -hmm. And Empower Texans was his... Um, it was the his, thorn in his butt. It was, it was, it was, it was uh, preferred nemesis. That, yeah, that was you know the green <laughs> goblin. Stay for, with butt. It was the green goblin for Spider-Man here. And, yeah, but don't you think Strauss and, and is looking at, the, at this? On, please, Strauss is looking at this, going, "Thank God this is not the situation that I'm in." But, end of the but session, Strauss would never be in that situation. Strauss never would have let this happen. End of the session. Empower Texans was effectively drained. The governor wasn't listening. At the conclusion the of this session. The lieutenant right. governor wasn't listening. Yeah, right. you know, whatever that is, 11 weeks ago. or not Pterodactyl had been, and, had been slain. And, mm -hmm. you know, they were sort of like, you know, okay, that's over. These guys really came into full power after the Tea Party elections in 2010. Uh, they tormented Strauss for eight of his 10 years in office. And, you know, in some ways, this session was the one that slayed the dragon. And then this dragon thing revives the dragon. I know exactly what Emily's really thinking. She's thinking Jason Embry would never have allowed this to happen. Jason Embry never would have allowed this to happen. Uh, question from Twitter. From Jason Embry. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Jason Embry. I actually Jason don't know who this is. Anonymous question Why am I so awesome? Anonymous, yeah, it is Jason Embry. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If, if I don't think this would happen, right. but if Bonin resigned, when would the Texas legislature vote on a, when would the House vote on a new speaker? Oh, it's such a mess. Okay, yeah, so, so how does does Joe if Moody he, become speaker then? No. Is he the no, Al Haig of this not, administration? There's not any case law on this. I've talked no. to a couple of lawyers on this, and there's not any case law. There's only three cases where a speaker's left early. One died. One, you know, got Gus Mutcher got whacked, but it was during a special session, so they were already in town. Uh, and there was, you know, one other guy. I don't remember all the cases. But the pro tem does not necessarily succeed the speaker in the same way that the pro tem in the Senate succeeds the lieutenant governor. Uh, so weird. It's so weird. Uh, the The Senate has a way to call itself back in. So when George Bush became president and Rick Perry became governor, he was the lieutenant governor, the Senate called itself back in. This is December, or had the power to call December themselves of back 2000, in. right? Right, yeah. they have the power to call themselves back in. And in the meantime, the pro tem is the president of the Senate. It was Rodney Ellis. He's now a Harris County commissioner. Um, and they elected Bill Ratliff. In this case, the House doesn't have the power to call itself back in. So you would have to have the governor call the House back in. And the Speaker does have 
some interim duties. You know, the budget is written, or at least the first budget is written largely before the session starts. Interim committees have to be appointed. The speaker is a member of things like the bond review board. Some other, there's some actual duties to do in the interim. So the governor would have to call them back in special session. It wouldn't be clear that the pro tem takes over. The pro tem, by the way, is a Democrat, and that gives it some people the hives. Um, the pro tem serves at the pleasure of a speaker. I love this. This was from a, a, a lawyer friend of mine. No speaker, no pleasure. If the speaker drops and the pro tem serves at the pleasure of the speaker, who's the, who's the pro tem, right? So anyway, they would come back in. Presumably, if the governor called a special session, they would elect a speaker. That'd be fun to cover. Mm -hmm. And then they would go home. Mm -hmm. Democrats would love it if Joe Moody got effed in this whole mm -hmm. thing. So... Right, if he's house, he's the speaker pro tem and Bonin departs and Moody is passed over or is gotten around by he the... Still has time to declare for El Paso County DA. A, th a threaded question. <laughs> Zing. It seems to me like Michael Quinn Sullivan, in some ways like this seems like it had to have been a setup. Like, because to go in basically wearing a wire... You know, you don't go in wearing a wire just to have a regular old conversation. You go in wearing a wire when you expect or anticipate or you're trying well, to lure someone well, did into Did he something. wear a wire or did he just hit record on the notes app of his cell phone? Well, I mean, well you know, same, same for these purposes. I think they both had reason to record this meeting. Yeah. I mean, they both were at some risk here. Michael Quinn Sullivan's listening to a guy who's publicly excoriated him. You know, he's come after him, said nasty things, mm -hmm. and now he invites, Bonin invited Sullivan. Sullivan didn't say, can right. I have a meeting? Bonin invites Sullivan. So Sullivan's like, what am I walking into? Mm -hmm. If you're working for Bonin or if you're true. Bonin, yeah. you look at this and say, you know, this guy, you know, this guy, right. what am I walking into? Right. I, I'm surprised there weren't two cell phones and five recorders and were. a camera. I also think this changes like the tenor of all capital meetings with, you know, well, uh, like, are you going to start patting people down or making them leave their cell phones in fish bowls outside the door? So like you, you start meeting in that <laughs> restaurant up in the Bronx where Michael killed right. Solazzo. Right. I mean, this is, oh, I came back to this the is like a version of those Sorry. American Phoenix guys who are recording. So can I ask you a question about, again, back to electronics? Yes. Isn't there surveillance in the Capitol? Uh, there, there are cameras and mics in certain rooms of the Capitol. So like the chambers are right. recorded. Most of the committee rooms are recorded. Couldn't they we do always an open have meetings yeah. in the agriculture museum because nothing's right. recorded down if, there. If Jonathan Tylove is listening, not. plug your ears. Couldn't we do an open records request for the video of the surveillance going in and out of the speaker's office on that day at that time to see who was a participant in the meeting? Probably now, no, because it's the subject of a Texas Rangers yeah, I think investigation. Probably a pile of those kinds of. We requests. probably and, should have done that. <laughs> yeah, and, and there was no need to do ago. it because everybody acknowledged there was a meeting. Also, we know they were in the there, Capitol, and that it took right. about an hour. We know who was in the room. <laughs> We know that Burroughs was in the room. We know that Bonin was in the room. And we know that Sullivan was in the room because all three of them have said so. Do we know that Gavin Massingale was in the we room? We don't know that. Do we know if Tony McDonald was in yeah, the room? I don't think we do. Uh, I think it would have come out if those people were yeah, in the room. Yeah, I mean, people have, have so, said that, you know, have made reference to Bonin's chief of staff possibly being heard on this recording. Being heard on the recording. Mm -hmm. right? but, that's I mean, why I'm asking. Again, that's it's total speculation. speculation. Right. right. So we've also got this thing of if you're going to have a witness in the room, one of Bonin's conversations was, one of Bonin's explanations was, Dustin was there to get my back. I right. want a witness there. It's like the, you know, the Mississippi governor with the women reporter thing. Yeah, I, totally. I, I, I won't have a woman reporter in the car unless I've got a man in the car with me because the guy's there to witness and say nothing happened. Mm -hmm. Dustin Burroughs was Dustin's that man. A, Dustin's there to witness and say nothing happened. Where's Except the witness's testimony? Not talking. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, we have done a lot of talking. We didn't touch any of the other topics we were supposed to touch, but 
We are done for today. Uh, thanks to DHR Health, Lone Star College, Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, and the Texas Tribune Festival, our sponsors this week. An extra special thanks, as always, to Spoon for our theme music. On behalf of Evan, Ross, Cassie, and our producers, Michael Ray and Bobby, this is Emily. Thanks for listening. Do I have to